0: So great to be in God's house with you church, celebrating and worshiping this amazing God that we serve. He's incredible, isn't he? Yes, he is. yeah yeah, you can do that thanks yeah, I appreciate it. This is Pastor Stephen he's our youth and young adult pastor He just wants to be seen today, I guess, so He's wearing his shorts. He's a Giants fan. He needs prayer. <laughs> see after this draft. Yeah, anyway, a, uh, young, I mean, the youth, youth. there's a service downstairs for you. To, uh, Sixth grade to senior in high school. Get on out of here. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah, <laughs> they need a lot of prayer. <laughs> anyway, we weren't going to go there. We want to talk to you about what God's doing, right? And what He wants to do and what He's been doing. And so to to, um, expedite our service, like what I'm trying to do is get you out of here in a reasonable time today. Um, I do that every Sunday, believe it or not. I really do. It's my intention. So I ask you accountability questions every week. And when I do that, um, the, the goal is that we would be living our faith outside of church, that we're not just going to church as our faith, not that we're just doing some things, that, but we're living the truth out there. And so my one question to, to get all of them together is, did you live your faith last week? Yes. If you didn't, there's new hope for you today. This amazing God who loves you is calling us to this relationship with him that is just unexplainable, incredible, It is the love of God in reality. And so it's the coolest thing in the world. Some people look at Christianity and they think it's, uh, you know, whatever. They don't know because they can't know because they don't know him. Christianity is the most incredible, life-fulfilling, purpose-driven, everything in your life that you could ever experience because it's what you're made for. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you're not walking with him, I just want you to know you are missing out. On the greatest thing ever, all right? It is. This is Memorial Weekend, and we recognize that, and we want to say thank you to every family and every member of the service, those that have given their lives so you and I have this freedom to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and publicly declare Him. And so we want to acknowledge those. Yes, say thank you to the family members, those that have lost people in service, Uh, your life has completely changed and has been impacted by that, and I know that on a personal level, and so we want to say thank you to you, because we have this weekend, and we live our lives in freedom. Oftentimes, we forget that uh, it has cost somebody dearly that we can do just the things we want to do. We live in an amazing country. As messed up as it is, as screwed up as stuff is in this country, we live in an amazing land that God has allowed us freedom that we have. And we need to be grateful. We do, church. We need to be grateful. We are here with open doors to the church, inviting anyone and everyone. We can go and talk about Jesus to people, invite them to be in God's house. And I'm very grateful. It's an amazing thing because it's not like that all over the world. There are places where they can't do what we do. They don't have choices, and they're not allowed the freedoms that we enjoy. And so I'm very grateful, and so thank you. To those of you that serve, those of you that have lost people, and thank you. Last week, we uh, read the account in history in God's Word. It spoke of when sin entered the world. We had this discussion about God's Word and the fact that it is not an allegory. It's not just a story. It's an actual event of history. It's the account of sin and where it came from and what it is. And as we discussed that, we were talking about how God planted Adam and Eve in what is called the Garden of Eden and gave them dominion over the earth. He gave them dominion and power and authority to rule. All plants, animals, everything in this planet was under our authority. This was a gift from God. And so when God said, this is where I want you to live in all of this, this is my yes for your life, and this is the one no. On a, that line is drawn, and God drew it. Over here was the one no. When Adam and Eve were living in the fullness of God in relationship with God, they were experiencing life to the full. And the Word of God declares to us that one day Eve saw the fruit, that it looked good, that it probably would taste good. There was someone speaking in her ear saying, it is good. This is really what God said. Is that really what God said? That negotiation. Here she was. All of this yes. All of this yes. And she found herself right over here on the edge of the no and on the edge of the no began the conversation the conversation didn't start over here the wonder started over here wonder what that's really like wonder what that would be like wonder what that really means you see that over to the no The conversation goes on with the devil himself disguised as he always is he never comes as who he is come on over come on over Come on over. Eve steps over the line. She stepped into God's no, saying yes. And then she invited her husband. Come and join me. And he joined her. In the very moment they stepped across that line into God's no, their own yes, fear, shame, sin, death entered them in the world. And immediately they knew. And so they wanted to fix their problem, as we see in Scripture. We talked about it last Sunday. They sewed fig leaves together because they saw that they were naked. They felt shame and fear and all of this. Then they were hiding when they heard God come. God says, "Where are you?" They come out. We hid. Why? We were naked. We were shamed. We didn't want to be in front of you, guy. God says, "Did you?" I'm paraphrasing. Did you cross the line?" Church, in that very moment where Adam and Eve were standing in the no, guilty, wanting to get back into the yes, they couldn't. To cover that, standing in that place of brokenness, they tried to hide themselves in those fig leaves. God says that won't work. I told you, life is in the blood, sin brings death, Therefore, the only way that we can make anything right out of this is there must be bloodshed. So God killed an animal right in front of them. The reality of sin needed to be real to them. Killed that animal, took that skin, and made clothes and covered them. Therefore, that life covered their sin. There had to be blood. God's law. You broke it. Someone has to pay. I will use this as a temporary covering of your brokenness. Okay. From that very moment, God instituted a sacrificial system that existed from the Garden of Eden on. Now, you know, if you know your Bible, that the sacrificial law system that was given to Moses for the people of Israel did not happen for many, 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 many many decades later, generations later, thousands of years. But God himself instituted a sacrificial system, saying there has to be a sacrifice to cover sin. Okay, and the law is given, and We understand what God was establishing because then through the Old Testament law which is no longer something that we are under but God is teaching us something and showing all people everywhere that there is a heavy price to pay for sin. And therefore there was this entire sacrificial system set up so that you could come to God. But God was saying to us all along the only thing that we can do right now is cover sin but there is one coming. Throughout the prophets... In the Old Testament, they were declaring, there is one coming. There is one coming. And so God, in this amazing birth of this nation of Israel, gives this festival of Passover. And He says, the death angel will pass over Egypt. And unless you are inside the house with what is called the Passover Lamb's blood over the doors, and everyone inside... When the death angel passes over, if you're outside the blood, you're going to die. If you're inside, you're safe. The Passover. So generation after generation is practicing the Passover until this moment. Here's Jesus. John the Baptist declares, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Hold it doesn't cover the sin of the world, takes away the sin of the world. On that very day of of Passover, three and a half years after Jesus' ministry is going on and all that, here it is, just so happens to be Passover, and Jesus is taken like a lamb to the slaughter, just like Isaiah prophesied he would be. And he opened out his mouth like a Passover lamb, and he came, and as he hung on the cross, Jesus Christ looked up into the heavens and said, Father, in your hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up his life. And in that very moment, the word of God declares to us, church, that the temple curtain that separated all of humanity from God's presence ripped from the top to the bottom. And God himself was available to every human being because Jesus Christ had made a way where there was no way. No longer would there be a covering for sin, but there would be a removal of sin for all who would come to the one and only Savior of the world. Church, this is God's truth and God is the one who drew the line. Here's the deal. When you and I confess that we are a believer, what we are saying is that we have come from this side of the line where I was born, where I was in charge, where sin owned me. And I've heard the call of God, where are you? And I have responded to him and he said, here I am. And it is through the blood of Christ that I step across the line from no into God's yes. And I have yeah, this incredible relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. Over there is no, over here is yes. It's all about Jesus, church. It's all about Jesus. Alright? So now let's let's continue here. If we've confessed our sins. We've been forgiven of our sins, cleansed from all of our unrighteousness. We are now made whole through Christ. We are not having our sins covered. They are not still within us. Hear me, church. They've been removed from us by the power of Jesus Christ. We've been preaching about the spirit, the life for a while. We'll continue to do so because it is the Christian life. It is the yes life of God, the fullness of life. And when we preach the word of God, sometimes people get uncomfortable when they hear the word of God. And when we hear God's word, we can get uncomfortable and begin to automatically deflect into our comfort zone that that we want to believe, did you hear me? That we want to agree with, that that aligns with what I'm doing, that's what I want to align myself with, what I believe in God. Look, I want you to know this. It's God's truth. It's not up for interpretation for me and you. God's the one that drew the line, not me and you. The world can't draw the line God did. God doesn't move the line according to you, ah, well, you're, I get it. You're kind of messed up. And so, you know, I'll, I'll move the line back here for you because you're special. Now, church, God drew a line. And he said, that's no, this is yes. Over here, we're good. Over there, we're not. That's God's truth. Okay, it's very clear to us. So when when we hear something that is calling us to accountability in the word of God, um, we gotta stop deflecting and start owning. Because what I'm gonna read to you from God's word, we read part of last week and it continues and it's a challenge to me and you about our life. And I wanna read from God's word to me and you about our life, my dear children family of God I'm talking to you this is God's word and a personal letter being written to us about our life you hear me my dear children I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin I'm writing this to you kids so you don't cross the line that's what God's word's saying right I'm writing you kids so you won't cross the line but if anyone does sin, remember I said this last. I say it again. Not as often as, or when you. But if so, that means there's this expectation of staying in the yes. But if you say yes to God's no, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father, he is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. (laughs) Come on, man. That's crazy stuff, isn't it? I mean, I'm standing over here and I willingly, knowingly said, no. It's my yes. And Jesus is like, Father? Wait. Father, wait. Call him back. Don't strike him, Father. Call him back. (laughs) He himself, Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Jesus, atoned for all the no. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Hold it. There's an obedience thing here. We can be sure we are living in the yes by living in full obedience to who he is. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments, that person's a liar and is not living in the truth. Get it right here. Look. Oh yeah, I know God but i'm living over here you're a liar god's word says so people tell me all the time as soon as they find out i'm a pastor oh i believe in god (laughs) i believe in god i don't go to church but i believe in god the word of god says you're a liar if you really believe in god you're living in the yes so don't tell me you believe in god unless you're living in the yes But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So Jesus lived in the yes. Right? I mean, I mean, we're boiling it down as simple as we can get. Jesus lived in the yes. So... I'm going to ask some accountability questions. Action steps that go at the end of my message, right here. We're not ending that early, so don't get too excited. Are you living as Jesus did? Yes. Doing my very best. Okay. So we're hesitant to answer that. We say yes, and then we try and put an asterisk at the bottom footnote trying okay so let's re pull back for a second and look at what god's word says if you're living in the yes you know god knows and you're doing it if you're not you know god knows and you're lying that's god's word and if you're living in the yes you're living like jesus did And so as soon as we hear a question like, are you living like Jesus did? It is our natural, I'm not condemning anybody. It's our natural response to be like, "Um." uh." but again, to simplify, and that's it, this is the truth of God's word. I'm not watering it down. To live like Jesus did is to live in the yes of God and not live in the no, because that's sin. So, a better way of saying it, don't answer this yet. Did you live in sin this week? (laughs) See, if you lived in sin, that means you willingly, knowingly said yes to God's no. That's what sin is. Knowing that God said no, and I'm doing it anyway. See that rebellious heart? You see that I'm in charge? Do you know what that means? I'm God, you're not. It's my word, not yours. So to live in sin is to live in the know of God. Okay, here's what the word of God, remember what it said. I'm writing this to you, dear children, so that you don't sin. I'm reminding you of this so you don't cross the line. But if you do, even there, God's calling you. So now I'm asking you, are you living as Jesus did? If not, why not? (laughs) What needs to change? What are you doing or not doing that needs to change in your life? Are you doing something you know Jesus wouldn't do? Why are you doing it? (laughs) Why? Why? Does it own you? When i look in the word of god and it's calling us into god's yes there is this thing called temptation that is always calling us to the no and so all week long there's been this invitation <laughs> to me and you come on over check me out is it really that bad does it really matter I mean everybody does it and you're not perfect and you know you are a sinner therefore I mean and oh, oh. see I I got allured over by this temptation calling me to say none of us Look, I I, I believe this. None of us would say, no, who are you, God? None of us. We wouldn't be like, are you God? You know, screw you. I'm doing what I want. I mean, we have before. But as children of God, we would never like just walk over and say, screw it. No, this is what we do. There's a voice. Come here. Come here. Come here. Really? Not that bad. Not that we have this conversation with sin. And as we have this conversation with sin and it's calling us, it's pleading with us. You know what it's always doing? You can always be sure of this when it's sin. It's appealing to my flesh. Yeah, it's calling to my flesh. You'll feel better if you do this You're gonna like this It's gonna work Ah, maybe it didn't before But this time's different Come on over, right? Come on, man We've had these conversations It was happening all week long It was probably happening this morning It was probably happening during worship (laughs) So God's calling us into his yes Through Jesus Christ And he's saying Will you live here? To live in God's yes requires my surrender, my trust, and my obedience. Remember? Obeying what I say. That requires me to surrender and trust that He is God and He knows. So let's continue reading in 1 John and and see this emphasis that comes back to us, church, from the Word of God. 1 John 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And that is what we are. Isn't that amazing? We're God's kids. We're part of His family. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. So, listen. Why is it that when we're being tempted, we're being called to get people's approval and acceptance and live in them when they don't even know who we are anyway. And as God's kids, we already have our identity and He knows who we are. We don't need their affirmation. So stop with it, man. You are, and God loves you. He's not waiting for you to become something. He loves you. Anyway, dear friends, We are already God's children, but he's not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Wait a minute. Again, I'm going to tell you that this is coming back on us. And the expectation for me and you from God's word is to live pure okay let's dumb it down for me to live in the yes and not the no to live like Jesus did I'm going to live in the pure of God the yes of God so when I'm reading the word of God it's amazing because he's saying all who have this eager expectation what is that expectation remember what the Holy Spirit was coming to do convict us of sin we need Jesus convict us of righteousness, don't cross the line, convict us of coming judgment, we're going to give an answer, so when the word of God here, he's telling us, he's saying, hey church, you realize something, you got to live in the yes, because you're going to give an account, the father's going to call us all before him, and we live that way knowing it, everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God, Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. You've crossed the line. God's line. God's line. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law for all sin is contrary to the law of God. We're not talking about the Mosaic law here. We're talking about God's authoritative law of sin. And you know that Jesus came... To take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Did you hear that? Take away our sins. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. If I'm living in the know, I have no clue who Jesus is. He's a name. He's a somebody. I don't know him. That's what the word of God tells us, right? Okay, this is God's word, right? Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning, keeps on sinning, does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, It shows they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah, man. That's God's Word. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. Look, here's the line. If I'm a Christian, I don't go like this. In, out, in, out, in, out. Right? They don't make a practice of living that way. But if they cross the line, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. But when we are children of God, we don't keep on doing it. Hmm. So they can't keep on sinning. They can't. They can't. Because they are children of God. I've stepped into the yes, and it's like, yes! This is what I was made for. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So now, the word of God continues. We can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously does not love and does not love other believers does not belong to God. It's as simple as that. Don't judge. I'm not. God says it's easy to see people that are living right. And it's easy to see people that are living wrong. That's God's word. He's telling us this. So as we're struggling through this and trying to figure out like, well, how does this apply to me? And where am I at in this line? I want you to know Christian there is no excuse to continue living in sin I don't care what your theology has taught you or what church or what teacher or preacher or grandparent or mom or well intended I don't care church we need to understand this the word of God is calling us into a life that is in the yes of God and saying no to what sin is calling us into. When I see in the Word of God that it says, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil, the old sacrificial system put a band-aid on our sin problem. That's all it did. It didn't fix it. And Jesus came to remove the problem and bring healing and wholeness to us. And that Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. And then I hear Christians saying that I, I, we can't stop sinning that we're sinners and that that's who we are until we go to heaven I say well then why did Jesus die in the first place church come on the sacrificial system was set up to cover sin if all that's happening is my sins are being covered by Christ the old sacrificial system did that and it wasn't good enough because we needed something more than a covering We needed a removal. And the word of God declares that Jesus Christ is here to remove our sin from us. Destroying the work of the enemy. Stop making excuses for crossing the line. It's no. God says no. Here's the deal. On my own, in my flesh, I could not say no because i was a sinner i was broken i was all about me and i said yes every time that's me that is why god said we needed a redeemer that is why jesus said i've got to go to the father do you understand you need the advocate the holy spirit the counselor, the comforter to come to you because if he doesn't come, you can't live over here because on your own, you've already proven you live in the know. Therefore, when God sent the Holy Spirit, God came, the Holy Spirit, to us and filled us. Now, as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit leads, guides, convicts, fills, empowers, all of that see that we couldn't do on our own because we were broken and now is available through Jesus Christ it was not available before but now because of Jesus I actually can live in the us <gasps> yeah. Yeah. not only can i i must yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's clarify something before we continue to grow in our faith together in the truth okay so Here I believe is where most of our struggle is and why we all get a little bit uncomfortable When we hear a question like are you there like jesus did Live pure like he is pure We start getting nervous and uncomfortable because we're we're processing in our mind all the garbage that's been going on In and through our life And I honestly believe that the confusion that we struggle with in identifying our christian life is temptation I, I believe that most Christians confuse temptation with sin I really do I, I look at this in scripture now let's, let's hear what the word of God declares to us right here okay let's hear what God declares if you think you're standing strong be careful not to fall don't get self righteous don't think I've got this I'm never going to screw up I'm in all the way from now on The Word of God's telling us if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. That tells me two things. I'm capable of falling, and if I'm not careful in my life, I will. But it also says I can stand strong, doesn't it? I can stand strong. There's an expectation for me to be strong, but not in myself, but in Him. Okay, so let's keep reading now what that... Full context says about this scripture that is so often misquoted. If you think you're standing, be strong, standing strong. Be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So when we read that scripture, a lot of people misuse this all the time. And they're going through challenges in life and difficulties in life and they're like Well, I know that god said that I won't have more than I can handle So I can handle whatever's going on here. No look that's so out of context God is speaking to us about sin and temptation here. He's not talking about life Jesus said in this world, you're going to have troubles Right, you're going to have problems. You're going to face difficulties things that are overwhelming in our human You're going to deal with that We're dealing with temptation right here. Please stay in the context of God's word. So in the context of God's word, when when we read the scriptures, he is telling us in the scripture then that we have to be careful to live within the guidelines of God's yes. And he says, every one of us is being called to the line. Right? It's what the word of God declares to us. The temptations in your life are no different from what others are experiencing. Everybody in this room is being called to line about something. And that temptation is trying to get us to cross it. That's sin. This is temptation, the call. And God promises right here in His Word that with the call to cross, God will always provide an exit. Church, the Word of God says... God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Please hear this in the context of God's word. He's saying that call, that allurement, that temptation to come back across the line. He will not allow that to be stronger than who he is in you. So God says there's always an exit, always an exit. So every time we're called to sin, God says, you don't have to get out, run. Okay. a lot of us will say, well, God's leading my life. And so he's creating a testimony. Stop it already, please. He's not trying to write a testimony in your life. He is your testimony. And He's trying to change your life. Okay? Stop making excuses for our sin and our decisions. We chose to do things that we did on our own in complete rebellion against who He is. All right? That's sin. And God was calling us not to go there the whole time. And the only reason we sinned was because we ignored that exit sign. 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 And I was like, I can handle it. I won't cross. I'm just coming over here to just see what's up. I can handle it. The Spirit of God saying, get out. Get out. Get out. And we're going, Yeah yeah I can do it and every time this is where we end up and then we're like God why is my life like it is why am I here why is this happening it's like hello dummy you were supposed to be over there church come on obedience to the Holy Spirit and the yes of God and you'll make a way out. You don't got to do that. But if, but if, oh, thank God amazing. No disrespect to you. I'm talking to me when I say this. He already knew we were so dumb that there would be moments we went over here. And that's where Jesus is like, God, like, yeah, don't strike him, don't just leave him there i I lived there, I know. Call him, call him, Father, call him back. Isn't he amazing? Thank you, Lord. He's amazing. I mean, how many times? Does he have to call us back into the yes? Why? Church, why can't we just live in the yes? We can. When we start living in full obedience to the Spirit who's providing the way out every time we face something. This is what the Word of God declares to us in Hebrews 4. Remember, when we look in the book of Hebrews, it is written to a Hebrew audience that understood the Old Testament law and sacrificial system. Okay? Now, we know it by reading the Word of God, so it applies to us but it has a purpose and a meaning for which it is written. So let's look at it in the context of what God's Word declares to us. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. He knows. We are completely naked before Him. Are you? He knows. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Yeah, we're going to answer to him, church. Okay, let's see what it says. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So here's the picture. Get it in your head. Remember the Day of Atonement? One time a year before Jesus? The high priest alone could come into that holy of holy places one time a year to where that Ark of the Covenant was. Where in the bottom were the Ten Commandments that God wrote with His own finger on the stones. Where there was an, what is called the mercy seat that was here. With the archangel's wings coming forward. And the word of God declares that the presence of God dwelt right here above the mercy seat. The high priest makes the sacrifice for his family and for himself and for the people. Covering of sin. Brings the blood of the sacrifice of the lamb for the year of atonement. Walks in behind the curtain. Throws the blood on that altar. Covering. The mercy seat, so that the presence of God could not see the commandments that were broken one time a year. Get that now, right? Now we know when Jesus died, that was open. The, the Hebrew writer says, "Now we have a high priest who has passed into the heavens. you don't need a pastor or a priest or anyone to be your go-between for you and God. He says, "Now we have a high priest." who is there before God Himself. Right here in the Scriptures, He tells us, we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Yes. Let us then hold firmly to our faith. Let's be secure that our high priest is there before the Father with that one and only sacrifice interceding for me and you, our advocate on the right hand of the Father who is right there. Now he goes on. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not cross the line. (sighs) So here's Jesus. Remember the advocate? He knows the voice of calling. He knows how the flesh works. He knows that it's trying to get us to cross the line. So the word of God declares to us, this high priest who felt those pullings, the drawing in the flesh, knows. And it goes on to say this. He empathizes with our weaknesses. (laughs) Father, I get it. Father, I felt that. That flesh calling. I get it. Oh, Lord. Holy Spirit, make a way. This is Jesus interceding for me and you. I know what he's facing right now. I felt that. Light up the sign. Get him out of there. He needs to go. I know what it feels like. I know where he's heading. Get him out of there. We have a high priest that's interceding before the Father. He's been doing that for me and you all week long all day long in this very moment. (laughs) For we do not have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace and confidence. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I need you, Lord. I need you. Father, I, I feel weak. I feel like there's been this constant battle in my flesh with sin. I'm struggling this week, Lord. He says, just boldly come. Right then and there, just declare it. I'm struggling, God. Help me right now. Show me the exit. Show me the exit. Church, don't say... God, I'm struggling right now. Help me. Stop me. No. Here it is. He's interceding. Father, I'm hurting. I feel that draw. Show me the exit. How do I get out of this? Where do I need to turn? I stop right now. I stand. Lord, I declare your righteousness and your purity over myself right now. I am not giving in. Lord, I stand with you in your truth. You promised God that I can be right, and I'm going to live right with you because of your power and authority that is now in my life. Church, if we think we can't help but cross that line, what we are declaring to the world is sin is stronger than our God. Let's own that. If we think we can't help but sin, we are saying sin is greater than our God. And if sin is greater than our God, then what in the world is Jesus doing and why are we doing anything? Because we're screwed all the way through. If God is not greater, more powerful, and cannot give us victory over sin, where is our hope? Amen. And therefore, when I own that truth, I live in God's yes, right? Right? So, Here's the truth of what God's saying to us. He's inviting us into this incredible relationship of yes. When I live in the yes of God, in full obedience to Him, surrendered, trusting Him, this is the abundant life Christ said He promised to give us. It's the life, the abundant life. That doesn't mean material things. You understand what I mean? It's rightness with God. It's where I know who I am in Christ. It's where I don't need everybody else's affirmation. I've got His. It's like I know who I am in Christ, and it's okay. That's the abundant life that we have. So, here we are. We're at different places in our our maturity as we walk in Christ. Every one of us, when we are redeemed, we are saved. When we say yes to Jesus, we've been brought out of the no into the yes, right? So all of us that have said that, done that, and received that, we're living in the yes. Some of us are just learning what that means. So let's put it in real life, child context. I was raised, like I said, in that legalistic church, right? And so part of what we did was we told kids they couldn't go on the platform. Now, the reason why we told kids they couldn't go on the platform is we still had our religious ideas in our mind that this was a holy place, kind of just like the temple and tabernacle, you know, it's kind of crazy how we do that stuff. Here's the holy place. Don't go up there, kids. You know, it's not a place to play. All right? The reality is we don't want kids up here because we don't want them messing with the instruments, right? That's the reality. So when I told my kids, like, don't go on the platform, um, what do you think they wanted to do? Go on the <laughs> so when they were down there, their mind was like, I want to speak in that microphone. Mm-hmm. I want to hit those drums. I want to strum that guitar. I want to hit that keyboard. I want to be up there and see what it looks like right so here's the temptation I said no inside of them there's this battle going on dad said no but that's calling me and 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 where's dad <laughs> yeah. I don't see him I don't see him I, I think I'm yeah uh huh Yeah. Hello? Hello? (laughs) All right. Now, church, we're putting the real-life context here. So the whole while they were up here, and they didn't see me, something was still going on. Inside of them, they could still hear my no. I wasn't there, but they could hear it. And when they were hearing the no, they were also hearing the come here. And so they had to make a decision on should I obey him or do what I want? It's a very simple illustration of what we're talking about. Now, if dad saw them, they would have to suffer the consequences. Here's the problem with the fleshly fathers. They don't see everything. The word of God declares that the Father sees it all. And he knows. Okay. So the kids learn, through discipline, through stepping across the line and getting caught, don't cross the line. Now they're growing up a little bit. Ride your bike on the sidewalk. Don't go in the street. Same scenario, different setting. Don't go in the street. So what are they going to do? Go down the driveway and just put the first couple tires in the street. I'm not riding the street. <laughs> Grow a little longer, like, don't OK, now you can ride in the street. Now you can ride around the block. Don't stop. follow me? So like what happens is, is their yes gets expanded according to their maturity and according to their obedience. They begin to learn to live inside the yes and not cross the line into the no. That's the way we are as Christians, the same way. Okay, God is not like for a brand new believer who just came into the yes, he's not like, okay, you need to understand every commandment and live within it. He's just saying like, don't cross the line. Stay right here. I've got you. Let's do this together. And the only way you're going to cross that line is to decide which voice you're going to listen to. Right? It doesn't change, church. Church. It's just the scenarios change. That's all it is. So, me and you are facing the same stuff. That's why the Word of God said there's no temptation that's just unique to you. Everybody's being called to put the wheels in the road, to say hello in the mic, (laughs) to go around the block when no one's looking. Just stay in the S, church. So, here's the action steps. I want to speak to you Christians. Don't you think it's time we stop making excuses for our yes over God's no? And we need to own the life that Jesus purchased for us and absolutely begin to live it right now. Church, we got to own this. It's time we start taking the exits that God provides for us and stop making excuses for why we end up over here when God is calling us to exit. It's time we start. All right, this this is a a reality that you and I have to own from God, and so I don't I care. But when I say I don't care, I mean like it doesn't matter if all week long you lived over here in your stupidity. It doesn't matter right now. This is what matters: stepping into the yes and staying there. That's what matters. And every one of us are capable through Christ to do that from here on out. If not, God's word is not true. God is not all powerful. And the Redeemer Savior doesn't crush or destroy the work of the enemy. And His word is not true because He's called me to live over here. So let's own it. Let's be the light. Let's say yes and live in God's yes church the end I don't care what people think of you and I said the end and here I'm talking but I'm just letting you know this there's an altar and if you need to come to God's yes come up here and do it if you've been go celebrate it and keep it up But if you haven't, don't leave in the know. God bless you and thank you. Have an amazing week with Amen.